You're listening to the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Steve Denny with you on Virgin Radio Pride and welcome to tonight's My Pride playlist. Tonight I'm joined by actor, TV presenter, friend of every celebrity going and the person I would most like to go to dinner with and hear all his showbiz stories, Christopher Biggins. How are you, Biggins? How are you, Steve? I'm good, thank you. I was told not to call you Christopher because nobody <laughs> does. Is that true? Tell me more about the name. Well, Biggins, I think, is, is Biggins is my real surname and it's, it's abs- an absolute brilliant name I think it sums me up being a big man and a big personality so I love it when people uh, decided to call me Biggins and I think it's a thrill it's a bit like Cher uh, and you know <laughs> I, I, I link myself with those one named uh, stars I mean I, I just love it but Biggins I think sums me up it does it's yeah. you are a national treasure <laughs> and it's lovely to be here tonight so we're going to go through your, your prior playlist yes. um, let's start with <laughs> something very camp. So tell me, Max Spygoes. Now, my granddad used to play me this song. Tell me what it means to you. Well, uh, when I was a child, my mother always had Radio 2 on. I mean, Radio 2 was the, it was the I think, probably one of the only stations on mm. when I was a child, which was uh, 65 years ago. Wow. Because I'm 72 now. And so we used to dance around the kitchen and the sitting room to all these songs. And my mother gave me uh, I don't know how much she gave me. I think it was probably two and six or something. And I went out and I bought my first LP. Uh, or was it an EP? I think they were called in those days. It's, I think it was, was an LP, wasn't was it? it? No, it wasn't. Only no. one song on it, or one on both sides. Was oh. It? it wasn't. It was, it, anyway, it was, it was, pla- it was uh, wax. Right. And it had a brown envelope uh, that you put it into, or a brown container, and it was Max Bygraves, who I absolutely adored from uh, television and radio, singing, uh, you're a blue toothbrush, I'm a pink toothbrush, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was very important to me, because it was the first thing I ever bought with my pocket money. Biggies, let's talk about your early life. How did, how did your family react you know, when you first came out? Funnily enough, I never, ever, ever talk to my parents about my sexuality. Really? They knew about it because I would have boyfriends come and stay and we'd sleep in the same bed and they knew, but it was never discussed. And I think that was probably a period of time that didn't do that sort of thing. And now it's great. I mean, you know, I have great gay friends whose parents are absolutely au fait with it and, and, and love it. Tell me about your next pick then. Um, this is legendary. You've gone for Eartha Kitt. The reason I chose Eartha Kitt was that when I was uh, left drama school, I managed to get an agent called Gillian Coffey. And she, her partner in the agency was a man called Harry Harbour, a wonderful Jewish man who was just brilliant. And I was very lucky to get these. I, I, in my career, I've had about five agents, which I think is quite good, because usually most actors have about 25 agents in their career. And this is spanning 60-odd years, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I was always very happy with any agent that I had. And I had no ambition to change agents, thinking that would like changing the seats on Titanic would help. <laughs> so um, I was very lucky indeed uh, and to have Harry and, and Gillian. And they were wonderful, wonderful friends. And through... Uh, Harry was the old-fashioned part of the agency, and his one of his clients was Eartha Kitt, who I met and I had dinner with and she was such a wonderful woman I mean she was you know a huge star 
And then she had a sort of downfall in her career. And I sort of met her on a downfall and she was doing terrible gay clubs in Manchester mm. uh, and uh, the provinces. And it was terribly sad and not that she was doing gay clubs, but the fact that her career wasn't what it was. I mean, she was huge and she has the funniest, sexiest, most wonderful voice ever. And she was a, a very big impression on me, actually. So from Eartha Kitt to Liza Minnelli, I hear you got a great Liza Minnelli story. Well, with Liza Minnelli, we're talking about um, I'd done... Uh, I was reasonably well-known, I suppose, in a way. I mean, we're talking about 74. Uh, and I'd done a series called um, Porridge. Yes. With Ronnie Barker. And it, it was funny because this was the first time that I was recognised by the public. And I remember I had a, a, I used to have only convertible cars, and I loved them, and I had a convertible BMW. And uh, I remember being at traffic lights, and a man in a lorry looked down and said, Hello, Biggins, how are you? How's Luke Warm? Which was my character. Yeah. And that was when I first realised that people were recognising me. This you is know. big. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I have a, a still one of my best friends is the an ex uh, archdeacon of London, so he's a vicar, and he is a wonderful friend. And he had a friend uh, when he was learning to be a vicar, uh, or yes, taking the, the the ropes of the church. And this this was a woman he met in Los Angeles because he used to be a producer, and the woman was called Judy Garland. And wow. it was his best friend. And he went on to marry her to her last husband and bury her, in fact. So he had a great connection. So he was friends, as you might gather, with uh, their her children, mm-hmm. Liza Minnelli, Lorna Luft, and the boy. And so through Peter, I met Liza. And Liza and I became really good friends. I mean, I think, if I think about it, I think she's probably the most talented woman performer I've ever, ever had the pleasure to see. Incredible. I mean, you know, she did a show at the Albert Hall, which she did with, um, I think it was, she had eight or nine girls in the show with her who were like the public. In fact, so much so, they came up from the audience. She was on the stage and someone suddenly shouted out, well, I could do better than that. And they joined her and it was a wonderful show. And uh, Liza rang me one day and said, look, uh, can you come to see the show tonight? I want you to take a girlfriend of mine to, to see it. So I went to the dressing room at the Albert Hall and uh, we were laughing and screaming and camping about and the door knocked and uh, she said, come in. And Princess Diana came in, which was my date. And uh, (laughs) so I, uh, you know, we had a drink and uh, incredibly lovely woman. Um, uh, I mean, she was was fantastic. It angers me now that she's not with us because, of course, she would have been 60 this year. And was this the first time you met her on this, yeah. on this particular No, night? I think I'd done a few, because char- I do so many charity events, but I think I'd done a couple of charity events which she was at, so right. I was introduced to her. Brilliant. He begins, I, I, at this point of the interview, I don't know whether to rewind and talk about Liza. You've chucked Diana into the mix. This is great. So, OK, so this night you're sat next to Princess Diana. Yeah, so what, what happened was we were at the Albert Hall and uh, we wait in the doorway at the entrance to where we're sitting and uh, we wait for the lights to go down and so we're talking and I said to her I've seen that wonderful picture of you 
with your boys on Britannia and you're kneeling down with your arms open and they're running towards you. And she said, well, you've got to understand that my boys are the most important things in my life. Tell me, like, let's rewind to your life as a young gay man. Did you have many boyfriends, many partners? Yes, I had lots of boyfriends, I'm pleased to say. I, I, I enjoyed my youth very much so. In fact, uh, a restaurant uh, opened in Covent Garden called Joe Allen's and up until then, I always thought you went to restaurants when you were hungry. I didn't realise you went to restaurants to be social. And Joe Allen has turned my life around. I mean, it was run by a man called Richard Polo, who became one of my best friends. And in fact, Joe Allen, I knew really well, the owner and the creator of the, of the restaurants. And whenever I went to America, Los Angeles or Florida or um, New York, I would always stay. Joe always had a flat above the restaurant. So I was very lucky enough to stay in those places. Mm. So they were, it was a very important time. And the only people I met sexually were waiters. And those were my boyfriends. I mean, I went through the... Uh, I, I mean, it was it was embarrassing, actually, now I think about it. I'd had everybody, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> that you could possibly have. I mean, it was... But it was a riot of a time. I mean, it was just wonderful. So it was easy to meet other gay people. Oh, yes, it was very easy. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go into Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Did you know Freddie? I did, very well. I mean, he, tell me a, a bit about oh, what kind Freddie of person he was. Freddie was just fantastic. I mean, he was, he was truly a wonderful, wonderful man. And he was outrageous and yet very very bright very clever and you know when you think he captured a style of singing and music which is you know never to be repeated i mean he and brian may who's a good friend you know they they were ahead of their time i mean it was just fantastic and Freddie was outrageous. I mean, he loved the dark bars. <laughs> he loved all of that. He loved sex. So Bohemian Rhapsody got that right in the movie, uh, you know, portraying him in that kind of like, especially in New York, wasn't it? Absolutely. Another one bites the dust. You Absolutely. know, he went for the leather scene, the moustache. He the loved clone. all of that. Yeah. He loved, and he loved a man to be a man mm. if he was going to have somebody. So it was, it was, but he was, you know, he was a, a, a wonderful giver. I mean, what you, when you think about his music, what he gave us was fantastic. And the story that I go to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern quite a bit to watch, you know, drag performers. And there's always this story that gets wheeled out every couple of months that once him and Kenny Everett took Princess Diana dressed up as a boy... <laughs> into the Royal Vices Tavern because Princess Diana wanted a night out yeah. or whatever. Well, yeah, true think, story. Is it true? Oh, yeah, very much so. Did you used to hang around with all of those guys? I, well, I, 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 yes, I, I suppose in a way I did. I mean, uh, Kenny Everett was a very good friend of mine. I mean, I, which not many people know this, um, we, Thames Television, did a, a comedy series with Freddie and uh, it was called The Snots. And it was his character who was the leather guy, right? And I it, think I've seen clips with clips of this with him and Kenny that's together. Right. No, yeah. it wasn't. No. Well, no, he Freddie wasn't in it, but Kenny. It was Kenny's TV series, right? And I played his gay brother, and we were all dressed in leather, various different styles of leather. And the head of Thames Television said it was so... He came to see us after we'd done... Th I think we'd done three or four episodes. And we were due to do another six, say. And he came, there was a meeting and he said... He came in and he said, I'm terribly sorry to have to tell you this, but I've watched three episodes and it's fabulous, he said, but I can't put this out on television. Too outrageous. Too outrageous. <laughs> so they pulled it. And it was a very wow. sad thing because I think it would have been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, all those people we were talking about, Freddie, 
Freddie Mercury, um, of course, Kenny Everett as well. We, we've lost all those great people. They all died, didn't they, in the end of, of AIDS? Well, it, it, it's tragic. I mean, it's tragic losing anybody, you know. I mean, I'm 72 and I didn't think I'd get to 72, yet I'm here. Um, it, it's awful to lose people, but it's also awful to lose people through... AIDS, I suppose, which, uh, you know, a lot of people did go and uh, we lost so many people. I mean, especially in the theatre, I think, because it was, you know, a breeding ground for gay people and and for this disease. And if, you know, you had to be so careful what you did sexually. And did it just kind of descend on the community all of a sudden? Yes, it did. I remember going to Joe Allen's, funnily enough, uh, with a, a very big American star, uh, and he said to me, we, I said, so we were talking about AIDS, and he said, I said, it can't be anything sad. He said, it is devastating. He said, I've lost nearly everybody I know. Because it started in America. I mm. think. San Francisco. San Francisco, yes, exactly. And he said, it's just devastating. And then, of course, it really hit London and uh, England, and it was devastating. And, and going back to Diana, I mean, she did so much to help AIDS victims and help the, the cause, that she, she should have been made a saint. I mean, she was what she did was just wonderful. Um, and uh, it, it was tragic. I mean, you know, so many young boys who just wanted to have fun. I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, they weren't... Or just wanted to be themselves. They wanted to be themselves, exactly. I mean, it wasn't a, a question of doing it as a sport, you know, to see how many they could notch up. Perhaps it was in some particular cases. But, you know, it was it was just having fun because sex is fun. Then suddenly sex became this horrible thing that killed people. My Pride Playlist. Virgin Radio Pride. Of course, we've got to talk about surprise, surprise. You and Scylla, you pretty much owned the TV in the early part of the 80s. How did that all happen? I remember Alan Boyd, the producer, coming. Uh, I was in pantomime. In Newcastle, I was playing the dame, as I usually do, and he came and we had dinner and he explained surprise, surprise to me. And uh, I couldn't believe what I was hearing because he was he was not only explaining it, but offering it to me. And at the end of the dinner, he said, you haven't asked who your co-star is. And I said, oh, no, who is it? He said, Scylla Black. Well, I just thought, I can't believe this. Scylla Black, I've grown up with Scylla Black. I loved her. I thought she was a wonderful entertainer. And so it was a great excitement and trepidation we first met. And we not absolutely kicked it off immediately. I mean, yeah. we were just on the same wavelength. Uh, we became very, very good friends. Uh, and it was a relationship to last to the moment she died. I remember I was going to the Ivy in, uh, in West Street to have Sunday lunch and the phone went and it was a friend telling me that she died. And I was in Covent Garden. I had to pull over and park the car and just bawled my eyes out because I couldn't believe that I was never going to see her again. And in fact, uh, there are times now I think I would like to ring Scylla. I must ring Scylla and tell her something, you know. And, of course, she's not there. I mean, it was just awful. We had so many good times. And I went through uh, Bobby's death with her um, and uh, everything. I mean, her children were babies when I when we first met. You know, and then Robert became her manager. And uh, it was it was tragic. I mean, she was she was a wonderful woman. And we we had a, a good working relationship and she was wonderful. The public loved her. She was gorgeous. 
she, she and that was such a surprise when she passed, wasn't it? I remember seeing the you know yeah. the, the the news and thought, wow, it was one of the. I just stopped in my tracks. Yes, I, I know it was. It was such a shock. I mean, it really was. But she, you know, she gave so much pleasure. Uh, and she had several careers, you know. I mean, you know, her singing career was massive. She was a huge, huge pop star, wasn't she? You know, and then before... she gave it up to have her family. And then she went on Wogan's show, and Wogan sort of lit something within her, and everybody wanted her, and that's why we did Surprise, Surprise, which was a huge, huge hit. And I loved doing it, and especially we did the first uh, six of the series we did live, which I, live television is just the best. And I remember we were um, we were doing a, a live episode and a boat had to come down the Thames and they had to open the bridge for it to go under. Tower Bridge, yeah. Tower Bridge. And there was a malfunction and it couldn't come through. So Scylla was singing the end song like she did every week. And uh, Anna Boy said, you've got to go in. And when she finishes the song, go in, bring her back to the sofa and talk for eight minutes. <sighs> And I was so excited. And I, when she finished the song, the, during the applause, I went towards her and her face dropped. She couldn't think what was going on. And I said, we've had a bit of a problem. Uh, so, so we've got to go back to the sofa and talk. And we had, it was just wonderful. I mean, it was fantastic. Because she could talk like nobody's business. So could I. So it was, it was great. And there were lots of things happened on Surprise, Surprise. A real surprise, surprise to us, as much to the audience. I remember we had a... Uh, a, a girl sitting next to me and a boy sitting next to Scylla and he wanted to propose to her on television and bearing in mind this was a live show so this boy left Scylla and came over and knelt in front of myself and the girl and uh, he said Sarah whatever her name was will you marry me and she went no <gasps> And so I turned to this girl, because we didn't know she was going to say no. And we turned to this girl and I said, oh, go on. <laughs> and then Scylla said, yes, just do it for us. And she said no. And that was the end of the item. Oh, wow. I mean, you know. Cuts when uh, I break. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah. I must say, I agree with that. Now, while we're on the subject of TV, it would be completely remiss and slightly criminal if I don't mention I'm a celebrity. You won it. I think you were the first gay man, at least in this country, to win the whole thing. Did you, did you enjoy it? I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here is the best thing I've ever done. Really? That may surprise you, all the things I've done. Wow. I loved every single moment of it, every morsel of a kangaroo's penis that I had to eat. And uh, I remember biting into a kangaroo's ball and uh, <laughs> as I bit in, all this liquid erupted. Oh, stop it. Then I had to eat the sack. And then nine months later, I gave birth to a Joey. I mean, it was, you know, it was it was an incredible experience. I saw this clip just yesterday. I was on a train and I watched it on YouTube. And you're in bed, you're asleep. You're in the middle of I'm a Celebrity. And there's this rat on you. I know. And you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you could tell that something was on you. But you kind of just thought, oh, maybe it was just in the wind or whatever. Exactly. But this rat was climbing over you for three minutes. Yeah. And you know, you dine in the Ivy, you know the world's biggest celebrities. You know, you have a nice lifestyle. What was it like? You were pretty slumming it out there, weren't you? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I was uh, with Anna Ryder Richardson and we were put in an underground dungeon and we both had um, these very tight, um, uh, what do you call that you, you, that you sit on, you lie on? Um, hammock. Hammock. That's <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had these hammocks it. and I remember we went into this thing and, <laughs> We uh, were aware that uh, somebody had let in these rats. They let in 200 rats into this area we were right. in. And amazingly enough, we managed to go to sleep. And that's when the rat got on my crutch. 
and I was aware something was there, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And then I, so it is, it's one of the funniest sequences ever. And then I realized what it was, and I, because it was pitch black in there, mm. and they had these night cameras. Yeah. And I threw back, and, and then the, the rat hit the wall of this cave we were in, and uh, the rest is history. And I remember having to go to the loo, and there was a porto loo in the corner. And I went in, and I thought, it's funny, no rats around. Anyway, I went in, and I was peeing into this porto loo. And suddenly I was aware of 400 rats' eyes behind it, oh. and they started to come out and run up my legs as I quickly went back to my... You seem quite calm. Well, it was you dealt it, with everything. I did, and it was really good fun. I mean, you know, did you always know that you would be as calm as that? Or? I didn't. No, I didn't. I had no idea, really. I mean, uh, you know, it was. Uh, I was kept back as a surprise. I went in three days later than the others. Yeah, I walked in. Thank goodness, I didn't have to fly in or be uh, parachuted in or what have you. Yeah. Um, and there was wonderful people. Keris Matthews, who is a great friend of mine, and I love her. We've got to talk about. Panto, because uh, it's been such a big part of your life, hasn't it? I've done pantomime for 40 odd years now, and I love it. I mean, it's hard work, but I absolutely love it. And last year, we, because of the pandemic, we were brought off. I was going to go to um, Dartford, and I'm going back to Dartford this year, funny enough. Oh, so you're doing panto this year? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and Are you at the Orchard? The Orchard. Oh, yes. I love it. Great venue. Yeah, very nice venue indeed. And we're doing Jack of the Beanstalk. I must come. Uh, yeah, do mm -hmm. we we'll go out afterwards? Uh, well, yes, I suppose we yes we will be able to by yeah. then. Uh, but um, so it, it, that's been a very important part of my life. And I remember the first time I was asked to do pantomime. In fact, was I'm going out to dinner tonight with Dougie Squires. Remember Dougie Squires? No, Dougie Squires was a hugely talented choreographer and director, and uh, and his uh, partner or business partner was a man called Jamie Phillips. And a man who ran the the uh, uh, theatre in Darlington, Peter Todd, they came to me and offered me pantomime. And I was quite frankly insulted <laughs> because every pantomime <laughs> dame I'd seen was about 110. <laughs> and so it's kind of what on earth are you insinuating? Exactly, and ugly yes. and, you know, unattractive. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, no way. So I turned it down and they kept coming back to me, back to me. And I said, no, no, I'm an actor. And uh, eventually... And bearing in mind, this was 40-odd years ago, they mentioned the money. And to go to St. Dungeon's Theatre for, I think it was eight weeks, they offered me £1,000 a week. Now, £1,000 in those days was a huge mm. amount of money. So I thought, well, I'd better do it, I suppose. And, of course, I was hooked. I loved it. And up until that stage, had you ever dressed up in, you know, like kind of date, full-on dame? When I was, when I, was I think, uh, nine years old, my parents took me to Bognor, to the Butlins, uh -huh. and I borrowed my mother's swimming costume and we made a sash and I went as Miss Butlin, 19, whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, that was the first time. And I, But I had I done any drag after I don't think so, no. But it was it was a a, a real. Uh, I mean, I, I've absolutely loved it, and it's it's a great great creation that you give to theatre, and the audiences seem to love it. And you know, you play to young, old, in between, everybody in between. It, it's just wonderful, and wonderful things happen. Like I was in Darlington, and uh, I remember we there was a little boy on the front row who had a a, a blue shirt on and a blue bow tie and a blue sweater and he was his eyes were wide open and his mother was talking to him all the way through and getting him excited and 
he was just lovely. And so I knew that I would have him up for the song sheet. And uh, he came up and I put him on the end and he was hysterical. The audience roared with laughter. And he was brilliant and I kept him back and I gave him an extra present and everything and he went back down and he was just wonderful. I went off to do my quick change and all the actors were waiting to come on for the curtain call and they were all in tears. And I couldn't say what's going on. And the um, when I got on and I did the curtain call and I did my curtain speech and... Uh, the curtain came down and I said, what's going on? They said, he was totally blind. <gasps> and I had no idea. And it's just as well I didn't because I might have treated him t- totally different. But it was and the letter that his mother wrote to me was extraordinary. And I'll never forget it. I mean, it was just that was one incident. And I know there are hundreds like that, that you, you touch people so much. And this little boy was, you know, then she was explaining the colour of the set and what it was when he when things came on. It was just wonderful. And that that makes pantomime so special. And I think it's now become very popular with a lot of actors. OK, Begins. Now, before your last song, as soon as we're on Virgin Radio Pride, I just want to talk about, you know, the community, our community, and how you see the LGBTQ plus community developing over the years. I mean, how, do, how does it feel? I, I think uh, the, the openness now is fantastic. Yes, I'm very pro people walking down the road holding each other's hands or hugging or kissing or whatever even even with uh, covid uh, no that's <laughs> that's great i mean it's 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 important because we're all individuals with all individual tastes and we have to you know acknowledge that and we have to go with it you can't you know i think with a lot of mental health it's things going on you can't restrict yourself or show yourself another image which is nothing to do with you and I think, you know, it, the sensitivity uh, around it is, is rotten and I think it, it affects people in different ways. And I think we, we're now grown up enough to know that we are what we are. It was always going to be good, but thank you so much for coming in and picking those awesome songs and sharing those unbelievable celebrity stories. Thank you.